Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. If you want to create change in any area of your life, you're in the right place. Together, we'll explore the strategies and tools I've used to lose over 100 pounds, pay off $130,000 in debt, and become a multiple seven-figure business owner. I've supported thousands of women to levels of execution and fulfillment they didn't know were possible. So if you're frustrated, if you're doubting yourself, if you're not enjoying the journey, there's a better way. Together, we'll break through your past patterns, we'll eliminate the appeal of your excuses so you can get consistent, stay consistent, create the results you want, and most importantly, enjoy the journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Hope you are having an amazing day today. Thanks so much for joining me. One of the things I've been thinking about a lot in my own life is how important it is to manage our inputs. Because what we put in to our minds has a significant impact on what comes out. And that's not to say there's not time or place or opportunity for just pure entertainment. But we do want to make sure that if we desire growth and if we desire change, that the majority of what we are taking in, reading, observing, listening to, is fueling us, is moving us in the right direction. So kudos to you for using some of your very valuable time in a way that can improve your life. That's exactly what I intend to help you do today. We're going to be talking about five small starts that can make a big difference. And in fact, I'm going to give examples as it relates to health, as it relates to business, and as it relates to our home, because those tend to be three areas (laughs) where a lot of us are looking to create improvement. A couple things before we do that. I want to tell you what I'm giving away today. Also, a few parenting questions came in and I just want to address those in two or three minutes because I always want to use Saturday episodes to answer your questions and then we'll get into this conversation about five small starts. Our giveaway is related to one of my keys for small starts with health and nutrition because when I first started focusing on losing weight that I gained in my pregnancies, one of the easy but very valuable shifts I made was just leading with protein and making sure that I was getting enough protein, including protein every time I ate. And something that helps me with this a ton is a protein smoothie. And there's a lot of crap out there. There's a lot of stuff that tastes like trash. There's a lot of stuff that has sugar and ingredients that aren't great for your digestion or not great for your microbiome. So The one that I use that Roman, my two-year-old, also drinks regularly that when the twins are a little bit older, I'm sure they'll start stealing from me and getting on their own, uh, is one that has very clean ingredients. It's creamy and smooth. It's not gritty. It's not clumpy. uh, And it also supports the microbiome. But the primary reason, to be very honest with you, that I drink it is because it feels like a little bit of a treat, right? I prefer the chocolate and it's creamy, it's sweet, but not too sweet. And when the weather is warmer, I don't know if any of you can relate to this, but when the weather is warmer, 
it's harder for me to do heavier foods. I'm drawn to things that have a higher water content. And where I live, it's just been super hot and humid lately. And when you're drawn to things that have a higher water content, a lot of times that means naturally eating less protein. And if you're eating less protein, you're probably going to be hungrier more often and feel more snacky and less likely to be satisfied, which creates a whole host of downstream issues. So I've been starting my day with a protein smoothie. And then if I'm still hungry before I go to bed at night or a little bit after dinner, I'll have another one. Not to mention, it's very easy when I'm out and about I can throw it in like one of those little insulated coffee tumblers. And we were at uh, Chris's rugby tournament all day on Saturday. It was hot. It was so hot and gross. And I was chasing kids that I just didn't feel like eating. But I was also very thirsty and wanted something cold. And it just felt good knowing that not only did I have that as an option, it was an option aligned with my goals. And it was something that goes a long way towards keeping me satiated so I'm not feeling snacky and I'm not more prone to overeating later. So I'm going to give away my favorite protein powder to one of you today. I'll also link it up in the show description with a coupon code. So you can check that out. If you are interested, you can win. I give something away every Saturday just by leaving a review on whatever platform you're listening to this show. So what I really want to spend most of our time today talking about are these five small starts in different areas that overcome the sense of overwhelm, the sense of like, I need to do all these things and I don't have time and I don't know where to start. They overcome that objection and they make a difference. Before we do that, I've said that a few questions came in about parenting that I wanted to weigh in on with the caveat that I do answer the dramatic majority of questions that come in unless it's just something that I have no experience with or expertise in whatsoever. Parenting is something that while I have experience I'm not a parenting expert. I don't know any parenting experts. I feel like we're all just trying to figure it out. And in every season, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) But I am happy to share the answers to these questions. For those of you who might be newer to the show, um, I've had four kids in the last few years. My daughter, Dagny, who was my firstborn, passed away in 2020. And then I have Roman, who is two, and my twins are almost one which is seems impossible to me. One, this is from the same person. She asked a few questions. She said, I would love to know what are some things that surprised you during pregnancy and birth and after you brought your babies home? Pregnancy. You know, <laughs> my pregnancies with Roman and with Dagny were pretty uneventful. I can't say that anything surprised me there except It was harder than I expected it to be to eat the way I've been eating for the last many years. It wasn't just a mind over matter thing. I had pretty long lasting food aversions and I I didn't feel like I had prepared appropriately for ways to still eat well with the extreme food aversions that I had. Like basically the only thing that sounded good for months and months and months and months was pasta, plain pasta with salt and Cheerios. (laughs) Things that in a normal, in a normal day-to-day life, like I don't have either of those things very often. So that I think surprised me. 
Um, my pregnancy with the twins, everything surprised me. <laughs> we had we had a rough go of it. Um, well, first few months, aside from just getting huge really fast, which I think was a result of the fact that it was my third pregnancy in two years um, and it was twins, you know, my body was like, oh yeah, this, we know what to do. That, that was an adventure. But the first few months were fine. After that, it was just, I didn't know much about twin pregnancies. I didn't know much about shared placentas because when you have twins, they can either have their own sac and their own placentas, or they can share one sac and one placenta, or they can each have their own sex but share a placenta. And the last option is what my twins were. Uh, it's mono dye, mono chorionic dye amniotic. So they each had their own amniotic sac, but they shared one placenta, which created a number of complications for us and ultimately was related to why they were born at just 27 weeks. Um, so tons of surprises there. Nothing really surprised me during birth, I think, because... I didn't get very far in the labor process. I never really progressed with Dagny or Roman. So we ended up in C-sections, emergency C-section with Ro with Dagny, less than emergent, but still ended up there with Roman. And then the twins, of course, was emergent because they shared a placenta and they were born in 27 weeks. But I can't say that there was anything that was like, oh man, I didn't know that. One thing that I learned through C-section recovery was how important it was to get up and walk and move regularly. One of my girlfriends just had a C-section and I said, don't take my advice. I'm not an expert, but if I had a C-section today, the advice that I would give myself is after the first 24 hours, get up every single hour. Not like get up to walk a marathon, but get out of bed, stand up, walk at least 10, 15 steps every hour that you're awake. Not waking up throughout the night to get up, but every hour that you're awake, do that. Um, after I brought my babies home. It's so hard. I'm such an outlier in terms of like, what surprised you after you brought your babies home? Because I did not have a really typical experience with any of my kids. Dagny died unexpectedly at just 14 days old. So there was lots of surprises there. And then when Roman was born, I was still very much responsive to fear and trauma that none of that was normal. <laughs> and then the twins, their first 93 days was in the NICU. So I'm probably not a great resource for what what surprised me after bringing my babies home. Um, yeah, I can't say that there's anything that stands out that would fall outside of things that stemmed from my trauma, my trauma with Dagny's death and then everything that happened with the twins. Okay, so the next question she says, I would love to hear more about your parenting philosophy. I know you're a fan of A Thousand Hours Outside. Um, any recommendations you have for books or podcasts? I, I don't listen to parenting podcasts. I probably should, but that's just not how I want to spend my listening time right now. I tend to listen to things that are business-related, finance related. That's just kind of where my interests naturally go. Not that I'm not interested in parenting, um, but I'm more likely to read a book. I posted on my Instagram a reel. If I open it right now on my phone, it's probably going to start playing and I would hate that for you guys. Um, I posted a reel with some books that I had read so far in 2023. A couple of them were parenting books. So you can check that out. There's a lot of books that were like business and money related, but um, 
let's see here. I'm playing it on my phone right now to see these, the joyful toddlers and preschoolers. That was a pretty okay book. And then how to talk so little kids will listen. It was okay. It wasn't amazing. I haven't found a parenting book that I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. As far as my parenting philosophy, that's a tough thing to boil down. I think if I had to boil it down or try to boil it down, I would say the number one thing that's important to me is being present. I don't think there's anything that is as valuable as your kids having your time. I really have to work hard on not being on my phone. Um, let's be real, when you have young kids, sometimes it's boring to watch them play in the sand, right? And so I'll just out of habit, pick up my phone and be like scrolling my emails or something like that. And I have to really work at being present. Sometimes I love playing in the sand. And sometimes I love being on the grass with the twins. And other times I'm like, they don't need me right now. I want to be on my phone. But I think presence is really super important. And I feel very fortunate to work in the capacity that I do where I, even though I work, I am still home. And if right now I were to hear everybody melting down screaming, I could just step aside from this podcast, come back to it later, go down and be present. Uh, My highest value is not money, is not work accomplishment. It is really amazing relationships with my kids. Um, I don't really have a philosophy on things like discipline or chores. We're just kind of too early on for that sort of thing. But I would say the number one thing is presence and then really allowing my kids to figure things out for themselves. It's so easy as a parent to just want to help and, oh, you want this? I'll get it for you. Or, you know, when they're when they're pointing at something, maybe they're not communicating that they can. You know what they want, so you just give it to them. Or I really want to teach my kids to do things, ask for things, um, figure things out. So I'm a big fan. Even if it takes longer, even if it's a little annoying, I want them to do things for themselves, even when that means them struggling. And it usually does mean them struggling. Uh, I've gotten this question before about homeschooling. And it's so early that it's literally just an invented thought at this point. She said, I'm curious if you're planning to homeschool. Um, We are so early on in that, that there are just many other things that are getting my attention right now. I try not to make decisions that would need to be made again later. Like if I decided today I'm going to homeschool my kids, the reality is when they're four or they're five years old, we're going to be having those conversations and making those decisions. So I don't like to use my time making those decisions now because they would just have to be opened up and reconsidered later. So why why doing it now? Why do it now? There are certainly a lot of things I love about the idea of homeschooling, but there's a ton that I don't know. And one of the big things that I don't know are the personalities and needs of my kids. And what my situation is going to be like at that point in terms of time flexibility and in terms of desire. So not just with parenting, but with everything in life, if something doesn't need to be decided now, if something is many years down the road, I don't spend a whole lot of time trying to figure it out today. And I think that's why a lot of people feel like their minds are always racing because they're doing mental and emotional work that really doesn't need to be done for, if ever, not for a long time. Okay, let's get into the meat and potatoes of today's episode. We talked recently about this feeling of 
being resistant to take on things that feel like they are too small to diff- to make a difference. And I was sharing, I think on maybe a Q&A episode recently, about how a client of mine in the consistency course was sharing that she wanted to make this change, but she felt like it was, she just didn't have the time. And I suggested like, well, why not scale it back? Why not, instead of doing this thing that's going to take you 30 minutes, why not do it, a piece of it that only takes five minutes? Oh, well, that's too small to make a difference. Oh, well, that feels lame. And the challenge that I shared with you guys that we're going to really dive deeper into today is that so many of us are evaluating a potential improvement, a potential behavior change, We're evaluating it based on whether or not it's going to get us to our end goal. Is this enough to carry me from where I am to where I want to go? And if the answer is no, that's not enough, then it's silly, it's stupid, it's a waste of time. My sense is that that way of evaluating things is not helpful because it dismisses everything that is an incremental improvement that when when stacked with other such small things – not only gets us where we want to go, but gets us there faster because those things are easier to implement and then we build consistency in a more reliable way with fewer barriers and obstacles to execution. My sense is that we should evaluate potential changes not based on is this enough to get me from where I am to where I want to go, but based on does this represent progress? Is this a step in the right direction? Does this feel doable Does it represent changing a pattern that's currently holding me back, like all or nothing? When I initially felt ready to start tackling postpartum weight loss, I started walking. Did I think for one second that like that was enough, that I wouldn't ever have to change nutritional things or add in other types of movement? Like, no, it wasn't even a consideration of whether or not that was enough. It was an improvement. It was a step in the right direction. And more than any of that, it felt doable. Because a lot of us feel overwhelmed and discouraged because we're looking at this thing that we perceive as enough to move the needle And that thing, which is probably a collection of things, feels super overwhelming. It's not easily implementable. Implementable, implemented, implementable should be a word, right? If it's not a word, we're going to go with it. We know what I mean. It matters that you have the capacity to implement it. It matters that it works for you to fit this into your lifestyle, knowing that that's not necessarily all you're going to do, but it is a starting point that you feel capable of making, right? Then after I started walking and I was doing that for a while, I started emphasizing protein. Do I think that for one second, just emphasizing protein is all it's ever gonna take for me to lose the pregnancy weight? No, but it was an improvement. It felt accessible to me. It felt doable. There weren't big barriers to implementation. There wasn't a ton of resistance to that change. And therefore, I felt more confident in my ability to do it. And then I was more consistent. And when we're more consistent, then we are ready to add more, more regularly. All right? So let's look at three different categories. Let's look at home, health, and business. 
A lot of times with home stuff, managing our homes, it feels like there's just way more to do than we could ever do. And every day we're sort of tackling something different. And when we're tackling something different, we're so hyper aware of all the other things we didn't do. Like maybe today we're really great and on top of the kitchen and the kitchen is always in order, but the laundry room looks like everything we've ever owned just like exploded in there and it's a complete disaster. Or you feel like you're on top of the laundry, but you'd be horrified if anybody walked into your house because (laughs) there's like stuff everywhere. I feel that there is so much opportunity in identifying tiny changes and then picking one and sticking with it until it feels habitual, effortless almost, at least very low effort. And then adding on top of that, instead of this strategy of like, today I'm going to do this and tomorrow I'm going to do this and tomorrow I'm going to do that, which we never build consistency with. And it's literally like, You're juggling with one ball and then you try to add a second and you drop the first and then you're frustrated and then you feel defeated and then what's the point and then you're overwhelmed. You know, it just doesn't work. Here are a few examples of small starts that can make a big difference. But here's the deal. When I share these examples, it is not so that you try to do all of them at the same time. It is not so that you pick and choose, today I'm going to do this one and tomorrow I'm going to do this one. Because again, when you do that, you don't build consistency and you don't really ever feel like you're making progress and you don't have that foundation you can build upon. So with these examples, it could look like I'm going to focus on this one until it feels habitual, either easy or very low resistance, and then When I feel ready, when I feel like I have the capacity, I will add to it. There's this idea that everything takes so much discipline and everything takes so much willpower. That is only true until habit kicks in and takes over. When habit kicks in and takes over, there's very, very little effort required. The problem is most of us don't get to that point because we're not consistent, right? If I think about the things that I do habitually, one of them is before I get in the shower, I brush my teeth, right? I walk into the bathroom, I turn on the shower. While the water is getting hot, I brush my teeth. That doesn't feel hard anymore. It does feel effortless. I don't even have to think about it because habit kicked in and took over. There are other things that I do that are the same way. So when I come in in the morning from my walk, The first thing I do is I make the girls bottles so that if they wake up right away, I'm ready for their bottles. Then I empty the dishwasher and fold the laundry that's in the dryer because my husband swaps it over before he goes to bed at night. At first, it took the conscious effort and decision and planning. But now that little three-step routine is automatic. I don't have to think about it. It really truly does feel effortless. It requires no discipline. It requires no eff- no no willpower because habit has kicked in and taken over. But that requires replication, duplication, consistency, pattern, doing it over and over and over and over and over again, not at the same level of willpower all the time, not at the same level of discipline over time. Habit kicks in and takes over and that is when we build on it. So here are some examples of small starts that can make a really big difference to your home, managing your home. 
one recommendation that I found from uh, an Instagram account called The Barta House, B-A-R-T-A, The Barta House, is one load of laundry daily from start to finish. That means washed, dried, folded, put away. Before I started doing that, oh my gosh, the, the laundry would just pile and pile and pile until I got frustrated. Then it would feel like it required so much time and effort to get through that I would be overwhelmed by the amount of laundry. Then I would wash and dry a load, take the dried load, put it on top of the washer and dryer so I could put another load in the dryer, then pull that out of the dryer, put it on top, and I'd have a mountain of clean laundry that needed to be folded and we'd just be like picking clothes out of the mountain. You know how that goes, right? That felt terrible. So now I do a minimum of one load daily, it's usually two, from start to finish, washed, dried, folded, put away. Putting it away part is really important. The folding it part is semi-important. <laughs> In my kids' dressers, nothing gets folded. So Roman's t-shirts and shorts and the twins' onesies, they just get tossed into their drawer, but they do get put away. So one load of laundry daily all the way through. That's an example of one that can really help with making progress in how you care for your home. Another example, again, these are not meant to do, for you to do all of them all the time. Clean your kitchen every night, right? So people call this a kitchen reset. Clean your kitchen every night. It feels so good for me to wake up in the morning and the kitchen is clean, decluttered, the sink is empty. I'm much more productive, much happier when that is the case. Clean your kitchen every night. Another example of a small start that can make a big difference is build a habit of identifying five things daily to either donate or discard, right? So not just having this be a mountain that grows in your hallway, but if they're to be thrown away, throw them away, bring them out to the trash outside, you know, don't just put them in a pile in the hallway. If they're to be donated, you can keep a box or a bin, and at the end of every week, you bring it to the donation place, but five items daily to donate or discard. Another one is making your bed. It feels much better to walk into your room and your bed is made. And that is something that can create a ripple effect. It's a small start that can make a big difference. Or one thing that I started doing recently is before I get into bed at night, I do five minutes of picking up my room, my bedroom, because that tends to be the place because nobody else is in there besides me and Chris. That's where things pile up. That's when company comes over. That's the place that doesn't get touched. Five minutes every evening of picking up basically means that my room's always good. Like It's always fine. It might need a vacuum or a dusting, but it's always fine. So those are examples of five different things, small starts that can make a big difference. Health-wise, and I'll just remind you, the goal is not to pick one of these every day and bounce around. The goal is not to do all five of these, but rather to pick one that represents an improvement with you. Pick one that is aligned with the goal you're moving towards. Do it daily until it feels effortless or near effortless, and then you build on it. One of the ones that I love that I often recommend to my clients who are trying to make improvements to their nutrition, their health, their body weight, eat protein every time you eat. 
You could also, if you're somebody who likes things to be more objective and measurable, you could also set a number of grams. An example is one gram per pound of lean mass, or if you're like, I don't know how much lean mass I carry, one gram per pound of ideal body weight. Some people don't like counting. I'm one of those people, but I can eyeball it. Like I know I'm shooting for around 150 grams a day. I don't count anything, but I know, like I know how many grams are in my protein smoothie. I know how many grams are in a steak. I know how many grams are in a few chicken thighs, that sort of thing. I love this one for a lot of reasons. It helps with blood sugar balance, which means it helps with energy and mood stability. Yes, please. I need both of those. It also helps with satiety. When we're not eating enough protein, we're more likely to feel hunger return after eating more quickly. So we're more likely to grazing. We're more likely to overindulge, overeat, eat more frequently throughout the day than we feel good about. Protein's really great for satiety. The other thing to go back to the blood sugar balance of it, When we're not having enough protein, not only do we have lower energy because of that blood sugar fluctuations, we also have more sugar cravings. So having more protein actually really helps with managing cravings. I notice a big improvement in my cravings when I'm getting enough protein. Some people find this to be very challenging. I make it very easy by just having a protein smoothie to start every single day. Uh, Greek yogurt is a great way to get protein in. If I have a steak with dinner or like last night I made cod cakes. I really love, um, I love salmon cakes, but Roman doesn't love salmon as much as I do. And cod or whitefish tends to be more mild in flavor. I don't know why I'm telling you guys about my dinner last night, but (laughs) for protein wise, um, I made cod cakes. I don't have a recipe. I just cooked the cod in a pan put it in a bowl with like salt, pepper, egg. Uh, You could use breadcrumbs. I did um, crunched up, like crushed up pork rinds as a binder. And then you just form them into little cakes and put them in a skillet with a little butter, whatever you use. Great, easy way to get protein. It does tend to be harder for me in the summer. As I said at the start of the show, I don't, I like more hydrating foods when it's so hot, especially because, man, carrying kids and chasing kids, I'm just always really hot. So the protein smoothie helps, and I'm linking up in the show description my very favorite protein powder. So that's one example. Protein every time you eat. Even if you're having a snack, eat a cheese stick first. Have a protein bar that's not full of crap ingredients. Those are harder to find. Um, Have a piece of leftover chicken before you have the tortilla chips or whatever it is. Have protein at every meal and snack. Shoot for a number of grams, however you want to do it. That's a really great one. Another one, small start that can make a big difference. Get 10,000 steps a day. I try to walk for 45 to 60 minutes in the morning before my kids wake up. I'm usually working and or reading when I do that, but that makes a big difference in your mindset in your mood, in just your daily energy expenditure and needs. Another example of one that makes a big difference is in bed by 10. I would love this if it was in bed by 9.30 or 9 o'clock. Get more sleep. This helps with energy. It helps with cravings. It helps with hunger. It helps with being a better decision maker. 
Another one that really depends on your baseline and where you're at, because remember, this has to be something that represents an improvement for you. You could say one indulgence per day. For some people, this might be too much, like, holy crap, one indulgence per day, that's a lot. Okay, then that wouldn't be an improvement for you. Don't do it. For other people who are maybe having six or seven or 10 indulgences a day or they're binging every day, that might feel too restrictive as a starting point. You have to know you, but something like that as an example can be a starting point that feels, for some of you, really doable and really reasonable, but because it's an improvement and because it feels doable, it can make a really big difference. The last one in the health category that is a small start that can make a big difference, no liquid sugar. No soda, sugary coffee, alcohol, no liquid sugar. All right, from a business standpoint, five small starts that can make a big difference. Obviously, some of these are going to depend on the type of business that you are in. One that I like to do is start your work time with something that drives growth. It's very easy to sit down and feel like you've got to start with responding to emails. No, (laughs) I do not recommend that. Start with something that drives growth. For every business owner, those activities that drive growth are going to be different, right? If you're in real estate, maybe that is connecting with five people in your network, right? Do something first before you get into the tasks and the admin. Do something first that is a driver of growth. Or no matter your business, something that you could start with is network every day with three people. I go through fits and spurts with this where I'm really consistent with reaching out to five people in my network every day. And then other times it sort of isn't as much of a priority. But if you're in a business growth season, that's a really good one. Network with three people daily. It could be a text, it could be an email, it could be a phone call, it could be a letter you send in the mail, anything like that. Another one that's a small start that can make a big difference, track one financial and one growth metric either every day or every week. So you could track revenue daily. You could track uh, the number of people on your email list daily, or you could track them weekly. But something like that, what's measured is more likely to improve. So you could do something like that as a small start that can make a big difference in your business. Also, try spending 30 minutes on your work days on something that is on the business versus in the business. In the business is like, I have to record this podcast. I have to respond to my emails. I have to uh, go to this meeting. On the business is big picture strategy. What are we doing to make things more streamlined? What are we doing to make things more profitable? What are we doing to increase conversion rates? Spend 30 minutes a day on the business in addition to the however many hours you spend in the business. And then the last thing I would say that's a small start that can make a really huge difference in your business, hire a mentor, right? And we could say this for any of the categories, except maybe home. I don't know what it would look like to have a mentor and how you manage your home, but I'm sure those people exist, you know, for your health, hire a coach. Just recently, I hired a trainer again because I felt like I just needed that external accountability and somebody to push me in a way that I just wasn't pushing myself as much because there's just so many other things going on. So I get to outsource that to an expert. Five things that can make a really big difference. I also want to let you know if you didn't know about this, I mentioned it, I think, last week. If you head over to my Instagram, only my Instagram, not Facebook, you can find me there on Instagram, at Elizabeth Benton. If you comment with the word guide, 
on any of my posts, just the word guide. You don't need to say guide, please, guide, thank you, guide 27 emojis, just the word guide. I will automatically send you this workbook that I created on getting consistent and overcoming excuses. It's not just something you're going to read. It actually gives you steps and tools for implementing it into your own life. It's totally free. I think it's going to be super helpful to you. Just go over to my Instagram at Elizabeth Benton, comment on any of my posts with the word guide, and I will get that workbook to you both in your DMs and also I'll email it to you. So just find me over there at Elizabeth Benton, open up one of my posts, comment with the word guide. I'll get it to you. The winner of my favorite protein smoothie, Wadi81, W-A-T-T-Y 81. Email me, elizabeth at primalpotential.com. Email me within 60 days of this episode airing. Tell me you were the winner for 1110. Include your mailing address and I will get it out to you. I encourage you guys to check out this protein smoothie because it just makes getting enough protein easy. It makes eating healthier easy. If you have kids, they'll probably love it. And then I don't have to worry about the fact that Roman just wants to eat fruit and crackers. (laughs) I know he's getting protein, which is so important. I feel better about that. So I'll link that up in the show description along with the coupon code and Wadi81. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your review. Shoot me an email and I will get it to you. All right, everybody. Have an amazing day. I'll talk to you soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.